Hey everyone, my name is Kyla. Welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. So I apologize for the lighting today. I am on the go. I'm in this hotel and I'll be in, in another hotel. I'm headed to Las Vegas for a different thing. So apologies for all the randomness of my backgrounds. It'll be a little bit more consistent one day. Monday maybe. We'll see. So today, very quickly, just wanted to talk about supply, demand, and the saga of the Stucky Boys. I wrote a newsletter piece about this with my friend Gannon. You should go and subscribe to his newsletter. It's very, very good. He talks a lot about equity analysis, does some thought pieces, and is really just a great person to follow if you're a beginner or intermediate or advanced and you just want a little bit ex more exposure and a little bit more knowledge around the markets. If you want to subscribe, that would be a solution to supply chains somehow. This is good. I kind of talked about all this stuff last week and I just wanted to expand upon it a little bit more because it's increasingly becoming a part of the news and more and more people are talking about it and more and more people are weighing in with their, you know, not so expert opinions. Not that I'm an expert at all. It's funny, like the different takes that people have on, on this concept of the combo energy crisis, supply chain crisis, and everything just kind of feeling bad. So. What's going on? Why is it going on? Natural gas and oil prices are really high. Aluminum and copper are surging because of a shortage of global supplies. There's a drought in Brazil, which is pushing up raw material goods, such as coffee and sugar. And cotton has risen to a record high because of poor weather. So I have a few different theories here. The first one is this supply and demand mismatch. So there's a general theory of not enoughness. So we have skewed demand and we have not enough supply. When thinking about supply, you have to think about the inputs. For example, if you go and buy an apple at the grocery store, your apple seed goes to the farm, the farmer farms that apple tree, the apple gets picked from the tree, the apple gets loaded into a truck, the truck drives to a warehouse, the warehouse drives to a grocery store, the apple gets unloaded, you pick up the apple, you walk to the cash register, you buy the apple and you drive home. So there's a lot of different inputs that go into that one process of simply buying an apple. That's a lot. So think about that apple process multiplied by 1,000, 100,000 million, and that's essentially what supply chains are like. There are so many different opportunities for there to be an exogenous shock to the system like we had with the global pandemic, and that can easily disrupt everything that's going on. If all of a sudden trucks stop delivering apples to the grocery store, nobody's going to be able to get their apples and everyone's going to be a little upset about their, their lack of apples in their lives. This is kind of the thing theory, so I'm, I'm developing names around all this stuff. Um, the thing theory is that people are demanding things, but there aren't enough things to produce the things. There's a shortage of labor, there's a shortage of machinery, there's a shortage of trucks, and that compounds as people end up demanding more and more things. This works essentially until it doesn't. And a key concept in economics is this idea of comparative advantage. So you do things better than me, you should do that thing. I will buy that thing from you because you can produce it at a cheaper cost than me. And this is good for the both of us because you do it so well. This is, can come across from a few different ways. That can be people, capital, export goods, etc. that people can produce more efficiently. This is what happened with China and production. China has a comparative advantage producing things. We rely on China for a lot of the stuff that we consume, but there's a lot working against them at the moment. In China, there's the pandemic shutdowns, factories are off, there's no production, they're still playing catch up, and also there's skewed demand. So there's outsized demand in the United States for different products and services, but not so much in Asian countries, which I'll touch on a little bit later as well. A theory here is that because of the amount of this stimulus that the U.S. received, which is a contrast to the demand situation abroad. I, I use my newsletters as a guiding tool for these videos and I, f I phrase that weird and I feel sad now. 
Bleh. Always double, triple read, everybody. And this gets into the idea of a demand skew. So comparative advantage is great until the country that has the advantage is no longer willing to produce at that same level. And so it's neither good nor bad that China decided to switch how they want to produce, but all of a sudden China, who used to be so good at producing things, is no longer like that number one source. So this is kind of the theory of debt-fueled growth. So China has always been the place to grow. They have actively taken out a ton of debt to do so. Evergrande is not the only example of a debt-fueled company in China. And this is a different type of growth versus organic true growth. Think about it this way if you were tomato hacking, right? So you want to grow some vegetables and you could throw a bunch of tomatoes into the ground and pound them with fertilizer and growth hormones and be like, yeah, I'm producing so many tomatoes right now. My tomatoes are freaking crazy. But you could also grow your tomatoes naturally. You're not going to produce as many, but they're probably going to taste better. They're going to be better for you. China has grown through this idea of gross tomatoes. So they've pounded their economy with growth hormones. For that reason, they're massive, but they don't have the organic growth. They don't have the true, true backbone that they would need in order to sustain a certain level of prosperity. China has a bunch of big GMO tomatoes that are about to explode because they've gotten so big. And the Chinese government knows this. The president of China is rolling out several pledges to try and change how things operate because he's like, okay, I know that our tomatoes are gross and big. And so he's rolling out things like the common prosperity plan, the carbon emissions cut, and also their plan for air pollution management, etc. But the problem here is if you change your economic model from massive tomatoes to organic tomatoes, all of a sudden you have to play catch up, right? So you're not, you're just not gonna have as many tomatoes. Um, so you get a tomato squeeze, which is coming in the form of this supply chain and energy crisis. And most importantly, the structural issues in the supply chain are going to keep reverberating because of the underinvestment and structural changes and the reliance on China to always be producing these mega tomatoes. So we are not prepared for a world where China isn't producing mega tomatoes. We expect them to do that, but if they no longer do that, we're going to have to find different avenues of production in countries like Indonesia, except there's a problem with this because as Mike highlights in his thread, so Mike Beckham, in stainless steel drinkware, 93% of the world's production happens in one province in China. Of that production, about half happens from now until Chinese New Year. What that means is that almost 20% of the world's production isn't going to get built this year in terms of stainless steel drinkware. And that's really a bad thing because we have so much reliance on China in this one segment of this industry. And it's like that across the board where we just have a ton of reliance on China to do X, Y, and Z and to produce these mega tomatoes. But now they're like, oh, actually we don't want to produce that way. And that's going to lead to a lot of issues in the supply chain and how we consume moving forward. So the supply chain is getting squeezed, but also electricity prices are increasing because China is going the green energy path as they should. I think it's important for countries to do that. But now the cost of coal has increased and thus the cost of production has increased. And coal is more than 70% of electricity in China. So they're trying to go with this clean energy route, but they haven't quite achieved it yet because they're still reliant on coal and reduced availability of hydroelectric power in much of southern China, as well as limited supplies of coal due to ongoing China-Australia trade dispute, according to Fortis analysis, and coal costs have increased, and it's gotten really expensive for smaller players to produce, so they have essentially stopped. And this is a big combination of factory shutdowns, port congestion, rising freight costs, and low investment because of the change in energy strategies. The supply chain and the energy crisis are essentially one and the same because China is no longer the big tomato of growth. We're having supply chain issues because we're having energy issues and it's squeezing top down and bottom up. 
so this concept of supply and demand, right? So in the game of supply and demand, who wins? Uh, Trin, who is a really great follower on Twitter, ran a test and found that Asian CPI, so inflation, is much more impacted by demand shocks versus supply shocks, which is good to know, like as we kind of think about how the, this sort of supply chain crisis is going to impact society. It's good to know, you know, demand shocks versus supply shocks and how that plays into the narrative. So CPI or consumer inflation doesn't bounce that much, right? But manufacturing costs do, which stream up the supply chain and bleed into higher prices everywhere. Manufacturers are feeling the burn right now, and that's going to show up in inflation abroad. So we have high CPI here in the U.S. as a contrast to Asian countries, inflationary pressure because we are demanding a lot of things, but in Asia it's a little bit different. So this is a bit counterintuitive, but it turns out that demand in Asia has fallen for a few different reasons, including Evergrande spooking everyone and power cuts leaking down to businesses. How do we exist without power? So there's a little bit of a different dynamic abroad. So you would think that everybody is like demanding a lot of stuff because of the other side of the pandemic, but turns out that that's not necessarily the case. It's really the U.S. that's kind of driving this demand narrative forward, which is what's showing up in supply chain. So the U.S. is like, give us it now, give us now, give us now. We have outsized demand in the States, we can demand in Asia, and rickety supply chains in a power crisis. And things are just getting really tense out there. And I think Facebook, so Facebook kind of shut down yesterday, Instagram shut down. And I think Facebook is actually like a really interesting example of the supply chain in action. It shut down because it was basically too reliant on its own internal servers. Something went wrong and then they were like, we need to like go tell it that it's okay. But it turns out if you're just inside your own world, you can't like hack back into that world because it's shut down because it thought something was wrong. So they can't go tell it's wrong because some they're already thinking that it's wrong. The corollary to supply chains here is that there's been reliance on just a few key chains, just a few key energy inputs. When the whole thing implodes, that reverberates through the entire system, which happened with Facebook essentially shutting down. There was a good quote, this disruption to network traffic had a cascading effect on the way our data centers communicate, bringing our services to a halt. So a cascading effect on the supply chain, like that's essentially what we're seeing. Just one little thing disrupting the entire system. Does that sounds a little bit familiar? So it's really interesting to kind of think about that and to zoom out and to be like, okay, that's what everything is going on. And so Gannon has, like, highly recommend that you sort of dive into what he's talking about too. He has a boots on the ground experience. He highlights that the shipping industry and the trucking industry were already in a balance before COVID and COVID threw a really big wrench into the supply chain and, and added fuel to the fire. Nobody was ready for things to get back on track. And that's really bad. And we have a lot of backlog. It's because nobody was ready for this outsized demand. Nobody was ready for Amazon to like be delivering a ton of different packages and the ripple effect is going to be quite large across the board. So what are my final thoughts? Things are flying in the online world. I, I do a lot with crypto and <laughs> things are going super well over there. Like they're getting a lot of traction. You have TikTok who's developing NFT stuff. You have, I think Citigroup today announced that they're gonna, or Visa, somebody announced that they're gonna start building like a little crypto hub. And so you see crypto really begin to take off, but alongside that, you see the physical world showing these increasing signs of strain. And I sat down on one day this week to talk with Annie from the Hello Metaverse podcast about my thoughts on the metaverse, my, my so, so well-researched, so knowledgeable, so expert. <laughs> it's crazy when people invite me to stuff. I'm like, are you, are you sure you want me? <laughs> it's such an honor. We ended up talking about 
the effect that the Web3 metaverse crypto could replace on the current government structure that we have. Like, Annie was like, Carla, do you think that that could happen? And I was like, well, I don't think so. Like, I don't think crypto is ready to sort of be a governing structure. There's way too much butting of heads going on there. Gavin Baker had a really great tweet about shortages, supply chain issues, and cost pressures will further advantage larger, stronger companies. And so I think the winners of this whole situation are going to be the incumbents, the Amazons, the Apples, who are able to have a vertically integrated supply chain. They're able to have a chokehold on suppliers and they're going to win because they know how to play the game. And so at the end of the day, like this is going to be really harmful for small businesses. It's going to be really harmful for people who are just trying to get their feet off the ground. And the big guys will win because that's kind of what always ends up happening. I think the other comment here was we kind of have to figure this stuff out. And I've been working on a piece about uranium for a while, like nuclear energy, that'll be out soon enough. But we have to figure out, you know, a way to work on energy, a way to sustain demand in a sustainable fashion and solve this theory of not enoughness. So perhaps like not overconsume, something like that, like really you know, sit down and think about how we want society to proceed because right now it's going at a breakneck speed in all the wrong directions. I have the same conclusion as my piece from last week because this is sort of like a follow-up. It's really easy to ignore the world around us when the world on the internet is so enticing, but it will become increasingly important as we lean into decentralized governance to understand how the physical plays into our real world. So I think that like we oftentimes forget that we exist outside of the internet and I think it's really important to remember that there's a world beyond crypto, like there's a world beyond finance, there's a world beyond the stock market and everything that we are sort of building on the back of is, is the physical because we exist with our feet here on the ground and on earth. And I, I just think it's, I just think it's incredibly important to remember that. So that's what all this is about. Thanks so much for hanging out. I'll be back on Thursday piece this it'll not be as blah, 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 blah. i know i was talking so fast in this one my hotel checkout is in like a couple minutes so i'm trying to you know me trying to squeeze it all in but yeah so thankful and so grateful to you all i'm i spoke at simplify's conference yesterday so i'll start sending around like the different speaking opportunities that i have because i i really like them and so grateful once again to like have that kind of stuff i will see you all soon and thanks for hanging out bye